Welcome into a new and actually, John, it's our first episode of 2020. How the hell are you, oh, sir? Yeah. Man, I am. I am doing great, man. You know, trying to get a little, little bad back, trying oh, to nurse oh, back to health. Go need a backyotomy. Uh, I got to get a backyotomy. You know, that's what happens <laughs> when you get old. Yes. Uh, stuff falls apart and takes a little longer to heal. But no, man, things are good. Uh, you know, just getting settled into the new year and uh, getting into the groove. And uh, I'm, I've been good, man. I miss seeing you, man. I miss talking to you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, we um, it's been it's been a minute. I realized that uh, John and I were looking at the calendar that, you know, this is yep. this being like closing in on the first part of February here. First episode. But honestly, it was intentional. John and I made the in, in, the, the intentional decision to kind of pull the reins just a little bit post Christmas and really start thinking about some some planning. Right. And some future thinking about the podcast and, and things right. that we could we could begin fresh with this year versus just putting out content that is uh, feels kind of recycled or anything like that. We've actually had some some meetings and we've sat down and um, consumed a lot of coffee and uh, yes, and, and talked a lot about the future of the podcast, which I feel like we've got a, a good like 85, 90 percent feel of what the year is going to look like. And we're excited yep. to to bring that that information and that change to you guys as the year unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the biggest thing that we wanting to do that we're wanting to do is just make sure that we bring good content. You know, right. we don't want to water ourselves down and you know, keep browbeating you with our, you know, our whatever we think is right versus this, all this other, you know, objective subjective, I should say, yeah. stuff. So, um, you know, we're definitely going to um be coming with the heat. Yes. Uh, Chris, I agree. we're still coming, coming in hot as yeah. they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's just going to be a little more refined, a little more polished. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, excited to get this thing going, man. Yeah, um, man. I think the, the thing about John and I is that we're, we're hyper aware as musicians already about, you know, being, being aware of complacency, right? We never want to oh, get yeah. trapped in complacency as musicians. No we're always way. practicing. We're always finding new ways to be challenged. Yep. And, uh, I feel like that same mindset is being brought to the podcast, which I'm really excited about is that, you know, we, we feel like we're kind of falling into kind of a groove after, mm -hmm. you know, especially the last six months, it really felt like we fell into a groove and for us to be aware of that, you know, as, as successful as it has been to, to you know, just say, Hey, what, what's been, what's been our favorite stuff? What has, our fans called, you know, favorite stuff. And then what, what could we improve upon? And I love that we're kind of uh, addressing the, what could become complacency in another three to six months and yeah, and kind yeah of absolutely. Keep it, keeping it dusted and fresh. Yeah. And I think that's the goal of any, you know, any, any podcaster out there, you know, whether you're on a huge, you know, reaching millions and millions of people or just kind of, you know, upstarters like us, man, you have to be constantly evaluating and making changes and adapting, um, you know, and luckily there, you know, the podcasting world is super, um, inclusive. So there's a lot of good information that mm -hmm. you can get as far as, you know, taking your, your stuff to the next level. So, um, you know, like I said, man, uh, we're still going to be coming in hot, bringing the, bringing the heat. Uh, but it's just going to be a little more refined, a little more polished. So For sure. Well, I'm excited to be into a new decade and, yeah, man. and get into yeah, this man. new stuff. Crazy to 2020. That number to me, 20, like that 20. year and that number is like, you know, when we were kids for oh us, God, 2020 was like, this is the year of flying cars, right? 2020. Right. So, so funny you mentioned that. So I remember, I don't know what cartoon it was, but this cartoon would like flash forward in the year would be 2020. Right. 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 That, that it was, the, I think it might've, maybe it was the Jetsons or some, something like that. And you know, all these flying cars, all this like 
you know, beam me up, Scotty crap, or you could teleport yourself to the grocery store and teleport yourself. Like that's where I thought we would be in 2020, right? right. Growing right. up as a kid. Um, you know, it just seemed light years away from, you know, especially when I was little, you know, in the early eighties, man, it's like, you can't even fathom 20, yeah. 20, yeah. 20 at that 20. point. Yeah. I mean, 2000 was hard enough. Like the gravity yeah. of 2000 was pretty huge, but you add 20 yeah. years to that. You're like, oh, well, yeah, we'll be flying in cars and, yeah. and living we'll on Mars. All, yeah. Living on Mars, <laughs> teleporting all around this, this, this God forsaken wasteland of the planet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> so, it's funny. The more things change, the more they stay the same, even in yeah, pretty 2020. Much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's sure. John, talk to me about uh, let's talk to me about the Braves, man. The Braves are fixing. Okay, to start yeah. Up here. So let's the, let's let's get into our let's let's kind of get caught up with with our sporting news here. Yeah. Um, Braves, so, Braves. So pitchers and catchers they report in six days, seven days. Is it? Yeah, maybe five days. I don't know. Yeah, very I soon. Think, yeah, very soon. Very soon. So yeah, um, if you're uh, out there in Braves country, listening to us and fans of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles, obviously we are you know support our Atlanta Braves and we're fans of the team. Um, you know, had a disappointing end to the playoffs, to say the least. Um, but uh, this off season has been very interesting for Los Bravos. Mm. Um, yeah, we did not. I guess obviously the elephant in the room for the Braves is we, uh, us not re-signing Josh Donaldson to a deal, right? Um, Although attempts were made, apparently. Apparently, and you know, depending on, you know. That interview he gave, he was doing, I think he was playing a golf tournament out in Lake Tahoe. There's like a pro-am that goes on out there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, the interview he gave, he said the Braves didn't even make an offer. Wow. I don't know if that is, they made him an, my point is there's some gray area in there. I think they made him an offer, but they didn't make him the offer that the other teams made him. Right. 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 So yeah, I, I mean, they're Anthropolis. Is it Anthropolis? I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he like. he said that they they offered a three year deal, although ultimately he he signed a four year deal. And I right. mean, who can blame the guy? I mean, he's in his he's in he's at the end of his career. You know, yeah, he's going to be playing for the Twins. He's going to get. Yeah, you he's going to. You know, why not cash in? He had a great year last year with the Braves. Right. Won won at least you know he won an award, um, and I think. He's trying to follow up. Obviously, the expectation is that he'll follow up the season he had last year with the Braves, uh, which will be the reasoning behind you know receiving such a big check. But either Correct. way, I mean, he's he's in his twilight years. And right before we got started, yeah. you know, I told John, I was like, I hate that we we lost Josh Donaldson. You know, my heart was really with him as a player. I felt like oh yeah, he, he man, got totally. the vibe. He understood what it was to be a Brave, like the culture of the Braves and everything. Um, but John made a good point. He's like, you know, is it really bad that we lost him? You know, and I and I think if if that's the challenging thing, to, it is to it's say such a to crap anyone. Shoot, man. That's one of the challenging thing I think to anyone that's like, for even me saying that, like, oh man, I hate we lost Josh Donaldson. You could instantly, if you're if you're someone that's a critical thinker uh, about sports, like John and I are, if you were to say to anyone, but really, did we lose a lot? You know, con- you know consider his age. Consider the fact that. He is apparently injury prone. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it sucks that he has to go, but maybe it isn't the worst, you know, because because of those reasons and maybe others. Right. You know, um, I think that that is what Braves fans need to hang their hat on is that I feel like our general manager is he gets it, man. He's with the new he's he's got the best of of both worlds going on where they're 
implementing the analytics, you know, all the statistical driven information like the money ball stuff, you know, that, that Billy Bean did out in, in Oakland with the athletics, mm-hmm. but yet he still has the, you know, the human element involved. He's combining those two. And I think, you know, the Braves have fell in this trap before with a former pitcher named Mike Hampton. I don't know if that rings a bell to you. Mm, that Mike, one does not. So Mike Hampton used to be the man out in Houston back in the day. And same deal, man. He, you know, the Houston didn't resign him because he was getting old. The Bra- you know, very, and if I'm not mistaken, very similar in age to the Donaldson stuff. Um, signed Mike Hampton to this, uh, this huge deal. And, uh, I believe there's, he's, he just came off the books like a season or two ago. And we're talking like this guy was signed in the early two thousands, bro. Wow. So you can't necessarily, you know, bet on somebody, especially a player that's long in a tooth like Donaldson on, on, on just one season. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I, I was telling Chris about is, um, you know, it's great to do that during the regular season, but he didn't do she ought in the playoffs. Right, right. Him and him and Freddie were. Yeah, yeah. And, and Freddie, he's in you a know, pod. They, you know, they they disappeared in the playoffs, man. And that's where you got to make your chatter, man. That's where you, you 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 your legacy is 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 cemented is in the playoffs. So I think that it was a super super smart move to not, you know you know, back the Brinks truck up to this guy. Cause it's just not, I think we would regret it later down the, down the line. I think we got bigger things that need to be addressed. Um, besides him now, you know, he's, th- those are big shoes to fill, but, um, I think that they're hanging their hat on Austin Riley a little bit to kind of bounce back and, and, uh, you know, fill those, those, um, those shoes, but you know, time will tell, man, that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. But I think, I, I think that was a smart, wise decision and I wasn't as mad about it or it didn't shock me, honestly, cause I felt like that's what Anthopolis was going to do was let they, he wasn't going to give him a five-year deal. Yeah. That's yeah. just not, and that's just not something that that guy, that's not his philosophy. So, um, we'll see what happens, man. You know, um, you still got Acuna, you know, you still got Freddie, um, you still got Dansby, you know, you still got, you know, people that can score runs on that team. I think the problem for the Braves, man, is you still need an ace, man. Like, you got to have a flamethrower, man. I just don't know if we, you know, Soroka was pretty close, man, but I need yeah. to see it again. I need yeah, to that's, see it all. That's I need what to I see read. It again. Yeah, the the Soroka thing, uh, apparently they're, they're saying he, uh, of all the – the pitchers that are in rotation, the, the the main four, and and you know the new guy, the fifth the fifth guy taking up that that the Soroka is going to be the ace unless Fultonevich can return to form as he did later in you know at the end of last right. season. Right. You know, I think the the chips are being pushed in on Soroka pretty hard. I think so, man. I mean, from what I saw last year, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it usually is a duck. And dude, he was, he, he might be the dude, man. It's, you know, but, but I need to see multiple years peeled off. Right. Cause that's the thing about, you know, your, your, your ace type pitchers, they do it year after year, you know, your right. Roger Clemens, your, um, you know, those type, you know, uh, that ilk, right. You know, that, that just, you know, uh, I guess now Garrett Cole is the, 
is the you know the standard you know right. that 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 kind of pitcher or the dude from the Nationals. Um, uh, that Scherzer, guy, Max, Scherzer. Max, yeah, yeah. The, you know that those type. I mean, that's what the Braves ultimately need because that's what's going to win playoff games is pitching. Yes, yes. Well, the Nationals have a, a devastating rotation. Anibal Sanchez, right. Scherzer, that's what I'm saying. Strasburg. I mean, good guy. That, that's you know, and that's what made the Braves so good back in the day, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, dude. You know, uh, Maddox wasn't quite as good in the playoffs, but. Glavin and Smoltz were yeah. lights out, dude. Dominant, just dominant. So, um, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what what how the team looks like. Um, you know, for me, I don't really get into baseball until after Memorial Day. That's when I kind of start a little bit paying attention because you know you you can start to see some trends as far as what they're going to do and you know all that stuff so i i I think not re-signing donaldson is a blessing in disguise honestly chris but that's just me yeah yeah well we shall see uh braves starting up uh believe uh you know obviously the the grapefruit league will get started at the end of february but their first game of the year is at the end of march it actually is a very late game i can't remember who we're playing um but we happen to be it's like a 10 o'clock game maybe march 26th somewhere in there is the start of the season oh god that is yeah. late maybe it's on the is it a west coast team maybe I we're think playing it is, since yeah. it's so, so late it's yeah. gotta be yeah i think so um uh, but i'm excited very excited for baseball oh, yeah. it's my it's my it's my jam uh, well, John, let's uh, let's take a little quick break here, and we're going to get into the main topics of things. Um, we're very excited to discuss our our Nam favorites is going to be our, yes. our main go to thing here. Yes. And um, you guys hang with us just a bit, and we'll be right back. All right, so John. NAM show just yeah, ended a few Big weeks NAM ago, show. the huge NAM yep. show. So if you guys don't know what the NAM show is, uh, it's, it's basically, uh, first and foremost, it's a trade show. Uh, it's not, it's not what you would think. A lot of people assume that it's, it's for consumers. It's not for consumers. The NAM show is for people that are showcasing new products, uh, basically to businesses, to the guitar centers, to the Sweetwaters, to anyone that will listen and say, Hey, uh, Anyone who's about a music stuff? merchant, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's a music. It's 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 the it's a music merchant uh, place. Um, Nam happens twice a year. Uh, the winter Nam is the big one that happens in Anaheim, California, um, and then in in the summer it happens in Nashville. It's just the the summer Nam is the smaller Nam. If I'm correct, John, you might be able to correct me on this. The summer Nam can actually be you can actually visit that as like just a consumer. That- that is correct. They offer um, passes to uh, the common folk, mm-hmm. um, but I believe, I believe there it's only on the weekends. Yeah, so so Nam normally runs like Thursday through Sunday, right? So it's probably just the Saturday Sunday, right? Yeah. So the winter um, Nam is is definitely exclusive. You've got to be very affiliated as a music merchant or right. something or an artist, you know, that's and, that's probably endorsed by said products. Right, and another cool fact, they've had to add a whole new wing to NAM this year, as per Shannon Corey, who we're going to be talking to and interviewing yes. coming up. Very uh, soon. Uh, they had to add a whole new wing to NAM because it was of the overflow. There was just so much, so many people coming to NAM. Um, he's saying now there's no way you could see everything in even two days. It will take you the whole entire weekend to see everything. Yeah. Like all, all departments, if you will. 
Wow. So, um, just goes to show you, man, you know, we're right now, I mean, especially for guitar players, man, like we're just living in the golden age of music, dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's for every musician. I mean, no matter what you play, um, because of the accessibility of music, the way the internet has made it so easy to not only distribute music now, listen to music through streaming, but also to get access to music. Like it is the golden age. Like no matter what you make, like I could make a song and upload it and a hundred people could listen to it by the end of the week, you know, and and I've got no fan base. I've got no, Mm -mm. no marketing. I've got no logo. I mean, it's just, it's huge how music is just growing so much and what, what the internet is doing for that. Right. And you know, and Nam is, is, um, it can be very, um, deja vu you know because a lot of times you know um it's the same stuff just in different packaging but here in the last couple of years there's been a lot of different different cats that are getting into um into the business you know especially for guitar uh, on the guitar end and you know i'm sure the drum drum stuff uh, equally as well so oh, yeah. yeah it just it's there's just so much stuff out there to consume man mm-hmm. um and that's yeah, that's where you go to do it out there in anaheim california in january at the nam show so um definitely a really super super important take a drink super excited <laughs> to tell everybody about our kind of favorites from the nam show this year because there are quite a few to choose from honestly yeah i mean john and i we were like hey how many should we highlight and honestly we know that there is there's time limits to everything and we didn't want to spend too much time you know just listing off products so uh we each picked two uh two of my favorites and john will will describe two of his favorites yep. um that, that really were just kind of standouts to us um you know john i'll kick a, i'll kick us off here kick, kick um, us off man kick <laughs> us off dude uh you know as you know and, and as, as some of some of our listeners may know i am an avid minor symbols uh, fan yes. and also minor symbols user um yes Yes, I've I can, invested. I can attest to that. Lots of lots of money, time, and energy into great symbols. Uh, mm, great, great symbols. Um, so one of the things that stood out to me at Nam is that they introduced two new lines. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is a basically they're variations of lines that already existed. Right. Uh, so the first one I'm going to discuss is the Minel Pure Alloy Custom. So mm-hmm. okay. The pure alloy line has been around uh, for a little over a year now. And, okay. it, you know, Minel's known for doing like the dark symbols, the dry symbols, the extra right. dry symbols, the vintage right. symbols. Right. And they look right. dirty. They look gnarly. I love all that. Yeah. Um, but the, the pure alloy stuff is more what you would think in terms of just traditional looking symbols. Yeah. Uh, if you look up Minel pure alloy symbols, they'll look like a, a K, you know, like they're naturally... Yeah lathe they're they're like mm-hmm. a traditional finish right. uh, but what they did with extending this line is they took the pure alloy approach and they did a um a hammering so they did like an aggressive mm-hmm. hammered surface onto this right. which darkens right. the symbol but the yep. cooler thing is the way they look they actually added this thing that they're calling a smoked bronze finish Okay. It almost looks like antiqued metal. That's the only mm. way I know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. So you can see the the hammer marks are very dramatic and mm-hmm. very very much darker than the rest of the symbol. So that it just it you know in in minor fitting you know it's just the the finish of their symbols are just so incredible. Um, 
That's awesome, man. Sounds great. So, so just, just for everybody out there, I'm sure a lot of the drummer heads know when you say alloy, mm-hmm. so this is like a mixture of, uh, of alloyed metals and like bronze or like, what is the, what is the composition, if you will, of, of this symbol? Because, you know, that's going to, you know, that, that really determines what the symbol sounds like ultimately is the, the, the ratio of metals, right? Am I wrong? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way Meinl puts it is the pure alloy symbols, they refer to it as a classic twist on Meinl's innovative sound. So they're like the only company that has what they would refer to as an innovative sound. So it, it features, instead of doing like, um, partial lathing or sometimes yes. no lathing or maybe they just lathe the bottom of the symbol right, and the top right. of the symbol is so this is a fully lathed surface uh computer so the controlled whole thing is lathed. yeah the whole thing is is top okay. and bottom is lathed as you and i think that's why they call it pure alloy because that's been what most drummers ah, know that's the purity right, sure, of sure. when i think about a symbol even now with all i know of of, of minel the first thing that's going to pop into my head is that traditional idea of a symbol you know yes. a, a k custom or yeah Okay, or even even like the um wow, do you guys hear Siri talking to me? Shut um, up, Siri. Wow. We're trying to podcast over here. Uh, yeah. Um so uh, yeah, it's just that that natural uh sound, you know, the the or natural look that you would that 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 pure alloy type thing. Okay. So yep. makes sense. Taking this idea, what they did is they it still gets the full lathing, but then mm-hmm. they added the like hammering patterns, which aren't like hand hammered. Like, you know, okay. some symbols are hammered by a human being. These are computer right. hammered patterns, okay. um, which make them look uh, almost like there's a pattern designed to them somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it, fully lathing symbols for Meinl is kind of a departure. You know, it's it's not what they're they're known for. Uh, but by doing so, it creates very like earthy kind of brooding sounds. As gotcha. of course we're we're known known for for, for Meinl. Um, right. So that's that's the first one. You guys check out the the pure alloy customs. The other symbol that they they kind of extended. If you're if you're familiar with Meinl, they have a series of their Byzance line called the dual symbols. Okay. And so the top of those symbols are very much like a, um, a very unlathed, very dirty, very nasty. Um, but what they ended up doing was the, the outer edge of the symbol on the dual symbols gets lathed, and then it also gets a brilliant finish. Mm. So it's very much a contrast from the, the dirty look from the bell about you know, two thirds of the way out over the bow and then the edge, like the final two, two and a half inches. And even depending on the size of the the symbol could be three, three and a half inches gets lathed. And then a brilliant finish is applied to that. Gotcha. So what they ended up doing is, um, creating, basically extending this line from just the crashes and the, the, the crash ride into their China symbols. So Lovely. we know that China symbols, they go kind of up, right? They blossom up and then they curve down. So right, right on that curve, right on that edge is where that, that outside edge gets the lathing, gets the brilliant finish. Very dramatic, very cool looking. So the dual line is, has been so um, so popular for Meinl that they've extended that into not just effect symbols like splashes, or should I say crash symbols and splashes, but they've moved it into more effect symbols like their trash crashes and their China symbols. So 
uh, excited to to hear some of those in person. Dude, that's awesome. I bet yeah. those things are amazing sounding. Yeah, I've heard some of the stuff just from you know people that were standing in the very loud NAM booths, and and they sounded great just just for that. I'd like to hear it myself, and then of course in a, in a closed mic situation would be pretty cool. I bet. So oh, yeah, those sure. th- that's my first pick, John. Uh, what's what's your first pick? My first pick is definitely going to be um, in line six. Better they better be sending me some some swag or something, man, because I've been talking these guys up pretty much all year last year. So uh, there's a new product that they just released in the HX family. Um, it's the line six Pod Go. Mm-hmm. So um, most of the guitar players uh, are familiar with the pod, the kidney bean shaped pod that that back in the day that kind of started all of this. Um, multi-effects amp and cab modeling really i mean it was the the it was the alpha version of all of this stuff um so the pod go is basically it 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 uses the ajax effects amp modeling but in a smaller package and a little smaller dsp power um, but the price point on it is, is amazing. It's 449. Um, so the HX stomp, I think starting price for that is like 649.99. Most, most places you might can find it for 600 bucks. So, you know, off the bat, it's $200 cheaper than the stomp. And it does pretty much what, you know, minus, you know, some of the effects blocks and some of the, features of the stomp it has the same effects the same amp and cabinet modeling you can download third-party irs and they're going to use irs uh, ir being impulse response Mm -hmm. um and i think this thing is going to be pretty much a staple in in inside churches these days um you know spending the money on the stomp is it's a little pricey but you know 450 bucks for for something like this that has all of the HX uh, editing software and all the effect. I mean, dude, it's like a no brainer for, for churches. Or if you need like a good B rig, you know, fly date rig, um, that you can feel good about, you know, performance and quality. The line six pod goes the way to go, man. They just unveiled it at NAM as well. Um, the coolest thing I think that they did, with this, obviously, there's two. There's twofold. One is the size. It's super lightweight, man. I mean, it's probably the size of a laptop, mm, you know. Wow. Um, it's got a huge, large, full color screen on there uh, that you can that that I'm sure will light up uh, in 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 back backlit areas or you know you know if you're doing outdoor festivals, you'll be able to see it or a you know hazy fog laden stage. Uh, you'll be able to see all this stuff. Um, so just just to go over a couple of of differences, like from this to say the HX Stomp, is is mainly the DSP power. So you, it's basically your, your signal chain is um, not as um, it's 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 kind of preset for you. So at the beginning of the chain, there's a volume pedal and a wah pedal that are that are just kind of stock on all the presets. You can't m- remove them to in order to replace them with another effect they're just there like you can either use them or not Mm -hmm. so essentially what it gives you is uh it gives you two in front of the amp and cabinet model and then three behind in an effects loop you know like your delays your reverb any kind of modulation effect so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so essentially you've got five blocks if you will 
uh, two in front, and then the modulation in the effects loop. And those three in the back can be put in front of the amp and in front of the signal chain. So you can manipulate the signal chain, um, but it's kind of the the it's it's predetermined how many you can use and and where they're going to be placed, uh, as opposed to the HX stomp where you've got a total of six blocks and you can. None of them are preset. You can, you know, you can put them in any order you want. Mm. Um, so uh, it's got it's got all of that going for it. And the 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 other cool thing that it shares with the HX Stomp is that it's also an interface. So you can plug it into your laptop and you can use that to record instantly, um, which I do with my uh, HX Stomp. I, I plug it into the computer or my iPad when I'm when I'm demoing songs in GarageBand, and it works as an interface, and it's it's awesome. It's I mean that's huge for for them to add that into this price point. Um, I mean, crazy to think that that kind of thing can be added to a guitar. You know what I mean? Like, whereas when it first came out, we think about the kidney bean device. Like, imagine like look 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 at how far that's come in, in relatively short amount of time. Yeah, and and it, it all just kind of I think it happened within a about a ten year window. The as far as the amp modeling technology and the the processing chips that are being used in these units right now, mm-hmm. um, the original the obviously the the kidney bean pod is uh, leaves something to be desired as far as tone but <laughs> yes um it was convenient it was a good way to practice and you know at least be able to sort of simulate different amp and cabinet you know sounds so you can kind of at least um you know when you're practicing like say to play along and you're trying to cop tones at least you can start to kind of you know pseudo simulate what's going on on the record with with that kind of stuff right um which was important because no nothing really you didn't really have that ability with multi-effects processors because they didn't have that you know that that capability so uh this is basically the the culmination of a lot of years of of you know, the pod series, um, evolving into the kidney bean into a multi effects floor unit now into the pod go. Mm. So it, it, you know, the whole HX family, it, that's what line six calls this. It's an HX family. So it all shares, uh, the terminology, the, the editing software, um, the effects, the amp cabinet models, they're all universal across the HX family now. Very so cool. this, so this this particular pod go thing is like I said, man. Um, if you, especially if you're doing a fly date or if you're doing a praise and worship situation, this thing is the one stop shop, man. Like I, you know, I'm. We were talking about it beforehand when we were doing pre production. You know, I'm thinking about getting one for myself and leaving it at the church I play at because mm-hmm. that way I'll just have to show up with a guitar because it's the same. I use the same patch for church every Sunday mm-hmm. and the pod go will allow me to do the same thing in a smaller footprint. Um, and it'll just be there for me, ready to go. Um, so that's, that's the thing, uh, that, that really, they did this thing, right. They, they made it to where it had just enough DSP power to where you could kind of, you know, it could be a one-stop shop for, for your gig, 
and the price point I think is awesome. Um, that's key with this stuff, man. You know, you gotta be able to, it's gotta be affordable, you know, because now if you don't have, you know, freaking two grand to buy a helix or whatever it costs, I think it's like 1299 or something like to be, to buy the full blown helix or even the helix light, which is just a couple hundred dollars cheaper for 450 bucks. Mm. You've got that same technology, man. Yeah. And it's got stereo ins and outs. It's got uh, an effects loop. Um, it acts as a, as a USB interface. Um, it's got, a an expression pedal built onto it so you can use it for expression or volume and you can download third party, uh, impulse responses into it. So it's really, it's pretty much just like a, the super, super, super light helix, right? Just enough. It just gives you just enough DSP for, for you to do what you need to do and have some some special features that you can tweak around as far as the effects blocks um you know it uses the snapshot mode just like the stomp and the and the and the helix family does as well so that's definitely something that caught my eye um and i had kind of been hip to just from reading online that they were redoing the pod series and i they didn't really wasn't a whole lot of leaked information, just that they were redoing the pod series. And of course this is what it is. So, Very cool. um, check it out. Um, all you line six, uh, users out there, the pod go, um, probably I would assume probably start shipping in the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine. Um, and these things are probably going to be hard to get cause everybody and their mom is going to want to try to get one because of the price point. It's just so affordable. Yeah. Um, Which is, I'm sure what they're hoping for, like hitting yeah, that, exactly. hitting that powerful, like the usability, obviously they're featuring powerful things, but then, uh, you know, it, it, um, getting the attention of the consumer market. Yeah, exactly. And the other cool feature, uh, before I do that, it, before I, before I sign out on this is that it's also a it has a output for dry amp out. So for all these people that are like, well, and I, I can't feel it on stage because I'm on in ears. Well, that dry amp output lets you monitor through a traditional rig, while it sends you know your process tone to, through the front of house. So what that means is you know if you want to have amp volume or any kind of you know if you want to use a traditional amp on stage, you can basically send just that just a signal to your amp so you can get that air, you know, moving your butt cheeks on stage while the front of house just gets the signal directly from the unit itself. So he doesn't have to worry about miking the amplifier or any of that stuff. If that's not an option, because he's going to be getting a signal from the front of house. I see. Wow. So, so essentially what you would do as far as hooking that up, you know, uh, you would go stereo out of the left and right, into a stereo DI or two DIs. Um, and then that'll go to a channel and then the dry amp out will go to your traditional amplifier, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whether you use a Marshall or, a, um, a, you know, a Fender or a Vox, you know, and you want to be able to have that air, you know, just be able to have some stage volume. It'll send that out to your dry amp. Um, and, you won't have to worry about pissing off the sound guy because he's just going to be able to mix you from the unit itself, which is super, I mean, just well thought out feature from line six to be able to do that. So, um, check it out. That's my, that's my, that's my first pick awesome. is the, is the pod go, man. That's Very pretty, cool. 
it's a banger. You guys go check that out. I'm sure Line 6 has got that plastered all over their website. If you have any more questions, I'm sure they can answer them there. Oh, it's everywhere. Um, and there's also a bunch of YouTube clips now of the of the product. And I, I would I would highly advise everybody to go and, uh, and go and do that. Um, there's a bunch of great tutorials out there, and it will kind of give you give you an idea of how the blocks are assigned and how you can tweak them and, and sort of the differences between it and the stomp and the helix. So definitely go do that. Very cool. Uh, like I said, when we started, we only got two picks a piece cause we're, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to, we'll be here all, we we technically could, we could technically keep on talking. Uh, very impressive things at the NAMM show this year. Uh, so my second pick, um, is going to be a MIDI controller. Um, definitely controller. Um, um, MIDI. Ones and yes. zeros. Ones, and, ones zeros. and zeros. Ones and zeros. Uh, I definitely uh, love MIDI stuff, especially this particular controller from a company called Novation. Uh, Novation uh, is, makes a controller called a Launchpad. If you guys aren't familiar with Launchpad, um, it is a direct um, integration for MIDI control into Ableton Live. And, and as yes. some of you users know, I'm an avid Ableton live user and I follow any kind of development that happens either from a software standpoint or hardware standpoint. And over the last few months, um, Novation is one of the leading companies that uh, drives the um, hardware side of Ableton use. Uh, Obviously, Ableton has their own MIDI controller. It's called a Push. The current one is called a Push 2. Uh, The Push 2 is is getting kind of long in the tooth, though. And of course, there's rumors that Ableton is is definitely um, manufacturing and working on a Push Three, which we're all excited for. But in the interim, um, you know, Novation's been making hardware and, and MIDI controllers for use with Ableton for right at ten years now. Um, they celebrated that ten year anniversary with a new Launchpad at the very end of last year, right around October. It was called the Launchpad X, or maybe. 10. Some, some people okay. refer to it as the Launchpad 10 for the 10-year anniversary. That one introduced a lot of cool new things, um, which kind of paved the way for what would be announced at the NAMM show, which, which is what they're calling the new Launchpad Pro. Um, so the Launchpad Pro, and the reason I, this is one of my picks, is because it does two things that are very surprising to me because of what its would that price might point. be Chris? <laughs> because of its price point right this thing only costs $349 and i say only because in comparison to ableton's midi controller the push 2 which costs $800 more than double that the the launchpad pro is doing 80 or 90% of what that controller is doing. It's That's way amazing. more portable um, yeah. and really is stunning some of the stuff it can do the integration with live which at this point I feel Novation is just as integrated with Ableton Live as their own push controller is. Yeah, um, totally, man. So and with, I think not. And I go, think, go I'm sorry to interrupt, no, but no. I think that there's kind of um, a little bit of an arms race, if you will, in that market to see who can make bigger, better, cheaper. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and because the push is getting long in the tooth, there's some things about these new launch pads, even the one that came out, you know, the launch pad 10 um, right. or X. Um, mm-hmm. it, they're, they're aware that a lot of their users are MacBook Pro users. And mm-hmm. uh, as we know, mm-hmm. the new MacBooks, uh, MacBooks uh, dating back to 2016 no longer have traditional USB. Like the, the ports we yeah. knew, USB-A, they're now USB-C. So these mm-hmm. new 
launch pads are USB-C compatible. Like that seems like such a, such a, such a, why, why did it take, you know, nearly four years to, for us to get hardware like that? But here we are, you know, the innovation has beat Ableton themselves to that. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. You know, connectability like IO stuff in and out stuff is very important. This means that I don't have to carry one more adapter just to make this controller work with my, my laptop. Uh, the other thing that is really interesting about the way it uses a built-in sequencer that allows you to run MIDI in and out to hardware synths. So imagine if you had a, cool. a Moog synth or a Korg synth or something like this. This controller is kind of a bridge between Ableton and these hardware synths that really have no way to communicate with software. Right. They're just a standalone piece. Right. So the pro, the, the this Launchpad Pro is a bridge that allows you to integrate these things directly through that, through their the, like through their grid. So you can do like you can play around with like what they're referred to as play order, sync rate, um, you know, probability, all these kind of things. And you can you can assign all of that through the sequencing of that workstation. So uh, you guys should definitely check it out if if you're. If you're hardware nerds, I mean, I know some of my friends and some of the people I play with at church and, and in the past in bands that, that just loved, loved hardware, um, you know, oh, especially yeah. I mean, the Korg stuff, it, the Moog yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a standard issue thing now, uh, especially in the praise and worship situation. Your tracks are being triggered and run in Ableton or from an Ableton-based uh, computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of maybe follow up on some of that stuff, I think that they're, that I think that's going to be the trend with these MIDI controllers is it's going to be an arms race, if you yep. will, yep. to yep. see who can cram in the most features at a cheaper price point. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, it costs a lot. you got to buy the laptop, right? And you can't just buy some rinky dink ass laptop it has to be a pretty powerful laptop right uh, you got to buy the software you know you got to put the time in to learn it so it's it's almost like um you want something that that's i guess plug and play for a lack of a better term mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like you want something that's you know it's going to have the features and it's going to be compatible with your brand new macbook pro that has the new you know uh, adapter like that's 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 what I'm thinking the MIDI world is going into. It's an arms race, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, John. Like it's, it's, it's who can, who can cram the most, not into a device, but into a price point. I think that's yes. the thing is like how many features, just like the line six thing, how just many like features, pod, yeah, just yeah. like that pod, how, how many features can we cram into this, but still hit like a $200 point and we not lose money. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, yep. yeah, definitely. I totally agree is that. You know, if 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 the the ceiling was you know Ableton push eight hundred dollars, like of course you you can pile everything into it, but that's not realistic yeah. for the common um, consumer. You know, and oh, hell no, not to speak like of course I can stick my laptop in a backpack. Like I don't know if you guys have ever seen an Ableton push, but that thing's not fitting in a backpack. No, so I want to no, be able dude. to throw it on my back and go go and do all this stuff if if I can get ninety percent of the functionality at at more than half the cost. Right. That's a huge win for, for, yep. for Novation yep. or for anyone. Yep, um, totally, so yeah, man. You guys give the, the new, the new Novation launch controllers a look. I think you'll be impressed if you're an Ableton user. It's definitely something that, that you should consider. So John, that's my second one. What is, uh, what is, what is, what is your second one, sir? 
So my second one is the unveiling of speaking of speaking of MIDI. This is a great segue into this. Um, the big unveil of MIDI 2.0 at mm-hmm. NAMP 2020, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you can speak a lot to this, Chris, with your Ableton use. But the fact that the any kind of MIDI-based product, anything that receives MIDI, sends MIDI, is all going to be going to MIDI 2.0. Definitely. So, um, just, you know, the, and Chris and I kind of, we, we were just flabbergasted by the fact that USB has, or excuse me, uh, MIDI has been basically unchanged or updated since the early eighties people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're going to be able to do, um, a lot more intricate, a lot more detailed controlling of devices with MIDI 2.0. It's going to be a bi-directional. So not only will you be able to speak to the unit, but the unit will be able to speak back to the MIDI device, which is, it's, it's mind-blowing. But I was about you, to say, you, if, if, you, if, not a, if you don't understand MIDI, you know, imagine if, if when you hit a drum, you're telling the drum to... Um, to do this, right? Take a drumstick. I'm going to hit this drum. I'm going to hit this symbol. This is you providing input, right? So a MIDI controller is doing just that. There's a piece of software. You connect this, this MIDI device, whatever it may be, take a launch pad, take whatever it may be, keyboard. And when you play a note, you say, software, play these notes. Software, play these drum beats. And it's it complies and that's the way MIDI is is intended. It's a, it's a it's a singular thing. It goes from from hardware to software. But imagine if the software could send that information back. This is one of the huge advantages of this new MIDI 2.0 that's going to be coming out. Is that imagine as a drummer if you could receive input from your drums, right, to teach you even more. Or as a guitar player, your guitar player could say or your guitar could say, you know, hey guitar player, let's do this now. You know, like it, yeah, it's, exactly. It's this, the shared integration, which is, it's going to be a game changing thing. It is. It's going to be a game changer. And, um, I think Roland, uh, Roland Korg and Yamaha had some prototypes, uh, keyboards that were MIDI 2.0 compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of all the stuff that they were able to do. And conversely, even if it's so it's it's going to be a retroactive thing too so it'll still even if you're on midi 1.0 it'll still be able to speak that midi 1.0 even if you have a 2.0 device so um it's 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 a lot of you know it's a lot of you can get into the weeds chris you know what i mean with the with the midi stuff um you know the one of the examples that they gave was this Roland keyboard you know, it would be on an organ setting and it be, it, it, it's able to, there's draw bars that an organ has that changes, uh, octaves and, and frequencies. And with MIDI 2.0, you can, you can have, have that done. It, it, it'll automate that mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. if you will, which MIDI has never been able to do. Um, you know, you can send a continuous controller message to to the unit to have it just go it, it, to do it upon that 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 uh, that process uh, that you send it that that action you send your device but mm-hmm. 
there's no automation, right? It's not going to, that keyboard is not going to speak back to the mini device and, and be able to do some of that stuff um, that 2.0 is going to allow you to do. And I think that's going to be a game changer for Ableton users. It's going to be a game changer for keyboard players um, because you're going to, the possibilities are endless at this point. Right. So, so the problem is, is that the, you, you don't have a whole lot of companies that are, like all the all the 2.0 devices are basically, they're going to be shipped to order this year, you know, as far as the keyboards um, that have that technology, that have the 2.0 capability technology. So um, I think it's going to, I foresee some, some bugs that are going to have to get worked out, um, but, you know, it's just it, it's it's mind blowing, man. The the stuff that it's gonna it's gonna do. So, you know, you're gonna have higher resolution. Um, you know, you'll be able to do more controllers, and the timing of it's gonna be you know uh, a, a lot better. Yeah. Uh, the 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 other thing is the architecture too. Whereas most computers right. have have moved, and even even phones have all moved to a 64 bit architecture, which means there's there's twice as much. Um, without getting into the weeds, 32 bit has been the industry standard for a long time. Um, right. And so operating systems like Mac OS, iOS and things like this have been shifting to 64 uh, bit uh, architecture over the past two or three years. So MIDI 2.0 is also going to adopt a 64 bit architecture, which means mm-hmm. uh, this is one of the reasons why now it's not just a, a one way path. You know, it's got the ability among many other things to take advantage of that 64 bit architecture, which is going to be, like you said, a game changer. And I think the game changer too, is if we kind of zoom out, um, as you said, MIDI 1.0, uh, and, and it's been around since, you know, it was introduced in 1983. It was introduced at NAMM show, the the winter NAMM show in 1983. So we're getting close to almost 40 years use of MIDI 1.0. So imagine if we could, if we could, you know, milk 2.0 for another 30 or 40 years um by the time it gets to be you know all the bugs get worked out and right. all the backwards compatibility is is sussed out i mean dude it, it is going to be a game changer for sure in the way that music is created and probably shared uh because it's you know midi is mm-hmm. is definitely the future you know if you look at a lot of the the ways music is created it's through software and aside from software there's always some type of midi device uh, nine times out of ten, that is is doing the input of all of that information into said software. Yeah, I mean that's, you know, the other thing too is like you know profile configuration. So this new MIDI 2.0, you can have profiles set up that configure a device. Um, you know, if a surface has you know like a mixer, perfect example. If you're looking at a mixer, all those knobs and and faders, faders and, and yeah, buttons, all that stuff, sins, yeah. all that stuff can be mapped out to a profile in that it'll, you know, it, same thing with the draw bar organ. You can do profiles and, and, and it'll control it. It'll automatically control the virtual draw bars on, on that keyboard. Man. And, uh, not to mention stuff it's going to be able to do for like dimmer packs and lighting, mm-hmm. you know, having MIDI speak, you know, having a bi-directional lighting system, um, 
it, it's just, I, I, I got to think that the workflow is going to be streamlined in such a way that it's going to be game changers for these, you know, audio video production guys that are using tons of MIDI stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and think about the guys that are doing performances like DJs that, that are, you know, they've got three or four MIDI controllers on stage with them. I mean, yep. it's going to make their, the time that they put into, uh, editing and putting together those shows. I mean, it's probably going to be condensed down into a third of that time. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, just, you yeah. guys, I mean, wow. You guys should go online and read about oh, it. Yeah, if you're, it's, if, it's you're, if, you're, for if sure. you're music nerds at all, like John and I are, uh, yeah, MIDI 2.0, you guys give it a look. Um, it's it's going to be a game changer. I'm excited to yep, see how time. it integrates and goes forward. Yep, big time. Um, well, uh, John, we could go on and on about our MIDI, fav- I mean, our NAM favorites. Oh, um, my God, I know. It, 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 it could, it could it, go deep, but we, we definitely yeah, limited it stop. to just yeah. uh, to just two things. Yeah, um, I think we kind of have to, man, because we, we can get knee-deep into a lot of, a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, there's a lot of that stuff on YouTube now that you can go check out, you know, especially with the guitar stuff, man. I mean, it's just like all these pedal companies, these boutique amp builders and there's just so much stuff. So we just kind of wanted to hit two of the, of the things that we, that we thought were, you know, of utmost importance to talk about. Definitely. Um, one of the things as, as we, uh, we'll segue to our, our, uh, what makes that song great segment. Uh, one of the things John yes. and I are very excited about is that he and I are attending a concert, uh, this week, this coming week. Yep. Um, it is the, uh, periphery, Polini and the the main the the the, the first opening band is a, a band called um, oh my gosh it's gonna it's gonna it's, I've lost it what was it called we talked about it earlier I cannot remember now oh uh, man yeah. it's it's escaping me it's, yeah. we we must have the same bug Ar- oh Arch Echo sorry Arch, Arch Echo yeah. yeah that's I knew it. it was two words I'm like oh my sorry, gosh sorry so, guys. Ar- so it's Arch Echo uh, Polini and Periphery. We are super, yep. super excited. All three of these bands are right up my oh and John's my alley. And, and, so and John, pumped. I mean, I, I could probably just mute my microphone and, and just ask him about Polini and he could fill up a bunch of time. Um, yeah, but, big time. I mean, he, he's, he's a huge influence to John right now. So rather than feature one song, since uh, I don't know much about Polini, but I've been listening to Periphery for about six or seven years now. Uh, and following them and and their drummer and obviously the whole band, but their drummer Matt Halpern is one of my favorites. Um, I figured we could we could each list a song uh, from each band in in, uh, in 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 accordance to our our time going here to the concert here. Soon. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So we'll you, you tell kill. me tell me about your uh, tell me tell me about your Polini song. Okay, so my Polini song. It was hard for me to choose. Um, There's so many good ones, man. I mean. So this one is coming off the Handmade Cities record, which is out in 2016. Okay. Um, the name of this tune is called Every Piece Matters, and it's a really – obviously starts off with a – I bet you can't guess killer guitar riff. It's not really a riff. It's more like a chordal passage. But the 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 effect – or excuse me, the effects that he has is some sort of reverb and – you know, really wet, ethereal reverb and delay and just beautiful chord, uh, you know, intervallic chord shapes, you mm-hmm. know, very Alan Holtworthy, if you will. But what I like about Polini is he's, I, I guess they put him into that DeGent music category, right? Um, which we've talked about before, but I, I, I guess, I guess he is, but he's like the, he's like the journey DeGent 
guitarist. Like everything is super melodic, super singable, um, just uh, uh, really taking the guitar to a different kind of uh, area. Um, so every piece matters is very, it starts off with this really interesting chord progression. It's very ethereal. Um, but it's super singable, man. It's not like, and that's what I like about Polini, man. It's not just shred, 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 odd meter, shred, shred, shred. Um, it's, it's a, it's a singable guitar part, which mm -hmm. I think is, that's the most in, important thing to do is have something that is memorable, have something that's singable. Right. And that's what I like about Polini the most. And him, and every piece matters is one of his more, you know, slower laid back kind of songs. It's not all, you know, odd metered all over the place starts off with a beautiful chord melody type thing. And then it goes into the singable chorus part and the tone on it is amazing. Um, it's just super inspiring. And I think that that's what I've been most, I've gotten the most out of Polini is just, you know, obviously I could never play like that guy. He's got chops beyond chops, but the way he approaches melodic phrases on, on his guitar has definitely inspired me to kind of think the same way that he's thinking, you know, intervallically, um, you know, thinking, um, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking more from a vocal side, having memorable guitar parts, you know, I mean, there's stuff on handmade cities that's super shreddy and, you know, has all the odd meter stuff, but this particular song, like when I, when I listen to it, man, it's super inspiring, man, because it's just something that, it's memorable. It's something that I can hum and sing. And I do quite often, man, it gets stuck in my head a lot when I don't, when I'm not listening to Polini. So, mm -hmm. um, it's on the 2016 handmade cities record, which start to finish that record is just God. It's so good. So good. Um, so every piece matters, Chris would be my Polini. Um, what makes the song great. I can't wait to see him perform it live, which I'm pretty sure he does. So I am, pumped i am pumped to see that show it's gonna Can't be amazing wait. it's gonna be amazing so chris uh let's hear your periphery song so my what periphery song, song uh comes from uh not the newest album not even the the most recent albums at all although i love most of of their new stuff the, the stuff that that was that was stuff that got me started in the beginning was some of their first album definitely the second album which is referred to um, oddly, or not, maybe not so surprisingly, is Periphery 2. Um, but mm. the, the song I'm choosing came from their Juggernaut album. Um, yes. And it was a two-CD album. So it wasn't, it wasn't two CDs in one package. It actually was two separate CDs. So the first CD okay. was referred to as um, was, was referred to as Alpha, and the other one mm -hmm. was referred to as Omega. Um, so this song comes from the Juggernaut um, uh, dual uh, stuff there, and it is, uh, let me make sure that I, I get this correct, it comes from the, I believe it's from the Omega side of that album. Um, let me look at this. Actually, I'm sorry, it is the Alpha. So Juggernaut Alpha, if we're being very specific. And the song yes. is called 22 Faces. Um, juggernaut faces. yeah juggernaut is a concept album and yes. so by the time we get 22 faces um the alpha is the first part of it there um the reason this track stands out to me is not only the incredible drumming by mr matt halpern um mm. but the song is just set up in such a almost 
schizophrenic way. Um, yeah. It reminds yep. me of like Mushuga yep. That's kind of. Yeah. To- oh, yeah. That's a great analogy. When I, um, <clears throat> Chris, not to interrupt you, I've no, already interrupted you twice, oh, but man, yeah, come you on. know, you've, you've gotten me kind of hip to more of the periphery stuff than, than, uh, than I was before. But when I, when, when you first sent me this song, that's the first thing I thought of was like old Mashuga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially the same kind of vibe. Yeah. Totally. That vibe of like, you know, um, the, the drum fill that leads into every chorus is kind of, it's a permutation. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, almost a thematic type of fill yeah, that, that, yeah, that evolves yeah. over throughout the entire thing. Um, and that schizophrenic kind of push and pull, uh, it's got this interesting structure as far as the instrument instrumentation goes. It's got like this ambient kind of feel. And mm-hmm. then, it, you know, the next, at the next moment, it's like assaulting. Um, so it's just, it reminds me of what periphery is in every, in every sense, you know, it's just, right. they, they can kind of do it all. They can be pretty and, you know, Spencer singing, singing his heart out to just being like this massive assault and, you know, every, the whole band can shift. And it's yep. amazing that you don't feel kind of a tug and a pull. It just happens so effortlessly. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. this song encompasses that more than anything. And Oh, it sure uh, does. I it's, really, it's uh, amazing. Of their massive catalog, I hope that they do play it when we go see them. Um, yeah, I hope they do too, man, because it's definitely a, uh, it's a banger for me, man. Like yeah. just, you know, it's it just harkens back to the to the Meshuggah days, and I love that, man. Yeah. Like that. Old that school Meshuggah, man, you can't go yeah, wrong. Yeah, man, man. It's, 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 it's hard to beat that, man. I, that stuff you know, uh, it inspires me, man, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of, you know, and we've talked about this before. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, vintage miles Davis or, you know, freaking Thelonious Monk for you to be inspired by like right. that kind of stuff that will inspire the crap out of somebody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they play that too, man. Super excited. I mean, it's going to be a kick-ass show. So yep. You guys check out 22 faces by periphery and, uh, listen to the rest of their stuff too. Their catalog is amazing. Yep. Well, John, good, that's going to, that's going to put a nice little bow on this episode here. Yeah. Uh, we wrapped it up, man. Yeah. We, this was a pretty, pretty informative episode. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I hope everybody dug it. Um, like I say, we're going to be doing an interview with Shannon, hopefully Shannon Corey pretty soon. And, yeah. uh, Shannon is, uh, endorsed by trick drums. So we're going to try and, and, you know, uh, get uh, the latest and greatest from trick drum when we go and do an interview with him and kind of chop up and talk shop with him. So, um, good to be back, man. Yeah, Glad man. new year's off and running and G and P is, is back in the saddle, man. Back in the saddle. Yeah, man. Uh, 2020 going to be huge. John and I have some, some new content, some new ideas and some of the stuff that we had, you know, at the end of 2019, we had, we were talking about doing, we've killed off some of that, uh, for good reason. And some of the stuff that we weren't talking about, which actually blossomed out of some of that, you know, as things were kind of being squashed, new things bloomed out of that, which were, in in my opinion, I know John will will agree with me. Is just is just more feasible. Yeah, and it's yeah, totally, also man. I think it's also more attainable for us uh, when we're we're talking about the distance between say podcast creator versus podcast consumer. You know, John and I are mm-hmm. podcast consumers, so we started taking 
that that you know that mindset like as consumers what would we want out of this podcast and if, yeah, if we absolutely. asked that question first i think it changed our answers and it definitely changed our path for the good going into 2020 so we're very excited to unveil those things as yep. the year can't unfolds. wait guys yep yep cannot wait and it's going to be we're coming in hot chris i'm going to say hot. it again watch out that's going to be my that's going to be my new uh, take a drink word man yep. coming in hot this coming year in hot. 20 2020, we're coming in hot. Take I a drink. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, guys, we hope you enjoyed it. We thank you for all your support. And, John, let's get out of here, and we'll catch you guys next Monday. We are out.